And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, hey. Just see you there. Did anybody told you how good you look today? No? That's too bad. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, a fine network. It's Tuesday, April 19th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me here in the yard, we got Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tassie? We got our top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. And last, certainly not least, Super Producer JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team. Joining us live right now on YouTube. Like this video. Subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Share the show. Comment away both in the stream team and below the video later. Email in your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. We got lots to get to here. Games are coming fast and furious. You could almost say it's... 40 games in 40 nights! 40 <laughs> games in 40 nights! Uh, let's start with the West, boys. And then we'll, unfortunately, talk about the Raptors getting themselves into a 2-0 hole. And we'll get into Marcus Smart winning Defensive Player of the Year a little bit later. But Jalen Brunson is the story of the day, Tass. Scoring 41 points as the Mavs make 22 three-pointers in the Game 2 win over the Jazz. Fantastic. We don't have to talk about the Raptors to start. Also fantastic talking about this Mavericks Jazz game that had it all. Some wicked shot making and some strategy at the end of it. Start with the shot making. Yeah, Jalen Brunson uh, coming off a bad game one where the Mavs absolutely need him to be a star without Luka Doncic. Uh, he struggled in game one and he came out, you could see it in his eyes. Uh, he was extremely focused and he started taking a lot more threes than he did in game one. Ten threes versus three threes. Uh, and uh, he was absolutely on fire. But despite him ending with 41 points, the Jazz were still leading going to the fourth quarter because Donovan Mitchell... Some great shot making of his own. He had 21 in the first half. He looked like the superstar and the Mavs just couldn't get over the hump. They were staying close because of Jalen Brunson. Uh, they were staying right there, three, four, five points. But it wasn't until the fourth quarter where the strategy happens here. They took their center, Dwight Powell, off the floor, and they made Rudy Gobert guard a three-point shooter. The Jazz decided, okay, we'll keep Rudy Gobert on a corner shooter so he can stay close to the lane if any of you guys get in the lane. But it, it burnt them because... Rudy Gobert wasn't really involved in the plays, and the Mavs were switching uh, or setting a pick with somebody besides Rudy Gobert's guy, and the three started falling mainly for Maxi Kleba, who hit eight threes, eight threes. The fourth quarter, they pulled away. They hit 22 threes in all. I, I can't. I, 
I got to stop. Maxi Kleba, eight threes, 25 points. That's a <laughs> lot of threes in a playoff game. Yeah. It's just, just a ton. If you look at the list, usually it's real three-point shooters, guys who shoot a ton of them that are up there at eight, nine, 10, 11. Other than Mike Dunleavy, he hit eight threes once. Uh, but uh, just a ton, a ton of threes. And, and you guys tell me uh, whether this was smart by the Jazz to not have Rudy Gobert involved in any of the action. I, I know people were just ripping on the Jazz's perimeter defense. Hey, you got to keep guys in front of you. Uh, and I went back and I watched the fourth quarter, and I, and I just wonder if Quinn Snyder regrets not putting Rudy Gobert on one of those guys on the perimeter. I know he's a seven-footer and he's not going to have fun out there, uh, but if you're running Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, and I know they tried to put Daniel House out there, and um, it just didn't work. It really didn't work. Rudy Gobert, I think, would be better than any of those guys out there, and uh, the, the Mavs just took their chances and said, stay away from Rudy Gobert. Just don't go near him. Uh, so you get a combined 41 from Jalen Brunson, uh, and eight threes for Maxi Kleban. They needed all of those points because Spencer Dinwiddie was sort of vacillating between Wizard Spencer Dinwiddie and Mavs Spencer Dinwiddie, and the Mavs end up getting a split, exactly what they wanted, without Luka Doncic. Uh, so hopefully Luka can come back in Game 3, but that end-of-game strategy, man, it, it hurt. It obviously hurt the Jazz a lot. Yeah, what do you think, Lee? What Tass is asking there, how uh, Quinn Snyder and the Jazz ultimately elected to play that defense what felt like Groundhog Day uh, every single play there. It was like uh, basically Brunson usually attacking, blowing by whatever jazz perimeter defender was on him, getting in the lane and then kicking to a corner. Most of the time, Kleba, who was uh, wide open, splashing him like he was P.J. Tucker, wide open in a corner. Uh, but what did you think? Well, I guess if you're the jazz, you're thinking you pick your poison, then you say, okay, we'll dare these guys to make shots. And they did. And I think the bigger concern is here. A couple of those threes at the end, Finney Smith hit them and Kleber as well was they were just attacking Donovan Mitchell, too, on the perimeter. So, you know, the, the Jazz have got several problems right now. Uh, they can't execute in the fourth quarter. That's been a problem for them all season long. Donovan Mitchell went, I think, three for 11 in that fourth quarter. Now, he's had statistically okay games here in one and two, but when the game's there to be won... I'm just not sure he's able to deliver because it's just something that is a consistent theme. So that's the concern. Now, when Rudy Gobert's out there, you, you don't, you, if you've got one of the best defenders in the league, you've got to keep him on the floor and you've got to make him involved somehow, whether it is going out to the perimeter and stopping guy or just protecting the paint. He's got to be there and, and be effective because he is a strong weapon. But Jalen Brunson got into the paint easily there last night. I've already mentioned there that Dinwiddie got past his perimeter defender. So the, the, the Jazz perimeter defense has to be much better. Mike Conley has not been good so far. He was bad offensively and defensively. I think he showed his age a little bit there last mm. night. So, um, you know, like the Mavs just, it, it felt like anyone who got an open shot was taking it and making it down the stretch there for them. I mean, the crowd was going wild and the Jazz just simply did not have an offensive answer that was consistent to get them easy buckets. They just couldn't generate the offense they needed themselves. Again, another problem there, Rudy Gobert, I think he finished with what, eight points? I think it was there last night. But if they are going to go that small, you have to find a way to just get the ball up high inside and have him around the rim. I think that's that's where Quinn Snyder's struggling to get uh, you know an, an answer for this Jazz team. You saw a couple of times Donovan sort of threw it in there to Rudy last night and he either fumbled it or it was a bad pass. So there's obviously something going on there between those two. They need to find a better connection. But, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bogdanovich has been okay for them, but they were sort of running him off the three-point line where they could as well, which is a win for the Mavericks. But when, when uh, Jalen Brunson is in that sort of feel like that last night, you know, 
We talked about on yesterday's show, like the Jazz should be 2-0 up in this series. It's not a knock on those Mavericks players, but when you're missing your all-world player and the rest of the guys are, you know, role players at best, the Jazz have got two potential all-NBA players. They had two all-stars. They should be able to put their stamp on this game, and they're just not able to. They don't have that tenacity to go out there and take control, and I think that's the real concern. But this has been happening, uh, you know, in the last couple of months of the season for Utah, and despite the fact now they're going back to Utah 2-0 up, Luca may come back, we're not sure. Uh, they just haven't looked convincing anyway, even though the series is 1-1, and that's normally a good result for the team on the road. Yeah, what do you think, Trey? What's your take on this game? Uh, This is a weird game because you look at basically career nights for both Jalen Brunson and Maxi Kleba, especially considering Kleba had really struggled. Uh, After the All-Star break, I think he was 19% from three. You see the Mavs hit uh, a playoff high 22 threes. You think, man, maybe this is the kind of win that is not something that's easy to replicate. uh, Are we going to get 41 from Jalen Brunson again? Are we going to hit 22 threes? But it also felt super replicable. I think that's the word. Yes. Uh, because, because you know, the Jazz can't guard anybody on the perimeter. So it's basically, they don't even need to go pick and roll. They don't even get, need to get Rudy Gobert involved in the action. They just blow by and then <laughs> Gobert helps. And then somebody's wide open for three in the corner. 17 uncontested threes. Even Lee Ellis would probably be hitting eight for 10 if he's taking 17 uncontested threes in, in an NBA game. So... From that standpoint, it definitely feels like the Mavericks can get that shot time and time again. It's just a matter of actually knocking them down and making it. Maybe that was part of the Jazz strategy. Let's see if Kleba can beat us. He did beat you last Mm -hmm. night, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they tell Rudy, don't help. Just stay to the corner. Don't give up a three. Two is worth way less than three. We can maybe win the math uh, problem there if if we're trading twos for twos, but... That was an impressive win for the Mavericks. Uh, Great game for Brunson. I thought he was much smarter with the way he was attacking things, choosing when to score and when to actually pass it. It seemed like in game one, as soon as either Dinwiddie or Brunson would get past the first line of defense, it was a floater fest. This time they were kicking out to threes, and that made a huge difference, making 22 of them. Meanwhile, the Mavericks are doing a great job of taking away the three-point attempts for the Utah Jazz. Just 29 last night. I think they had 22 in game one. This is a team that loves to shoot threes. was a really good offensive team because somebody could score at the basket, whether it be a Gobert alley-oop or maybe Donovan Mitchell getting into the hole. Jordan Clarkson had a nice game. But then they also got to shoot threes as well. So kudos to the Mavs for taking that away. But I don't know. It feels like this is kind of going to be the games here. Uh, the Jazz are going to... Scrap it out. They're going to not look incredible offensively until they get really hot from three at some point. And the Mavs are going to have to continue to be hot from three. I've changed my mind. I don't think they should ever give Gobert the ball inside. I saw a post move from Rudy Gobert last night. (laughs) Worst post move in the NBA this season. (laughs) Dribbled it right off his foot. So he's Roy Hibbert on that side of the ball. He's just Roy Hibbert, period. Um, uh, They can't even throw him alley-oops right now. Donovan Mitchell is trying to throw him alley-oops. The timing is completely messed up. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm not expecting anything offensively from Gobert at this point. Yeah, why is he trying to spin baseline? Just go middle. Get a dink, get a dump. But you're <laughs> right. Uh, nothing's working uh, on that path. I don't think uh, anyone should feel confident with Rudy Gobert's offensive game. And obviously the Jazz don't. I'm not sure Rudy Gobert does. Yeah. I will say one thing I thought was impressive from the Mavs in the fourth quarter was their, like, I guess the best way to call it is, like, the gang rebounding that they did. 
Uh, and I know, like, you look at the overall numbers, the, Ma- the the Jazz, like, 50 rebounds to whatever the Mavs had, like, 39 or something, like, 31, excuse me. So, like, a huge difference, as it should be. I mean, you have Rudy. He's going to always flirt with the big beef. You're much bigger uh, with the Mavs going small at the center position. But in the fourth quarter, Lee, I, again, mm. I thought, not on the offensive glass, but just defensively, there were so many times where the Jazz were getting an offensive rebound or even getting, you know, it looked like a second chance. And, like... The Mavs have been, you could tell Kid told them, you guys got a team rebound. And so, like, the ball would, like, go in Rudy's hands at points. He had the board, but, like, boom, 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 a couple arms flying in here to just knock it out. You know, it bounces off the glass or bounces off another player, and the Mavs would sort of end the possession. I thought they did an incredible job just down the stretch specifically. Mm. And I know the number, the overall numbers don't really show it, but that was, uh, there was four or five times where I was like, that was a, that was a rebound for Rudy Gobert most of the time. Uh, and they just popped it out because they were very... You have to be. That's how you have to do it when you're undersized like that, I thought. Yeah, and I think Reggie Bullock was one of those guys really in there getting his arms, yeah. just being effective because, you know, he's been sort of in and out of the lineup. Uh, played well last night familiar for, with uh, 45 minutes. But another key area here for the Jazz, they're not putting any sort of pressure on the ball handlers. The, Jazz, the Mavs had three turnovers last night, and all of those were Spencer Dinwiddie. This is a team that we historically, over the last few years, have looked at very good perimeter defensive team, you know, a way of just making it tough for us other teams and they're just not able to do that right now you know they, they seem as well to get beaten so easily when that ball just moves around if whether it's a driving kick or someone just like flings it around the perimeter and again Donovan Mitchell I think is one of the ones who gets seems to get caught a lot he's either ball watching or his player he's not closing out on his player and it's leaving a guy open and Bogdanovich is another one who's just starting to look a little bit older and slower on the perimeter here for Utah so it, it's weird I mean like I say you should be pretty happy with a split on the road <laughs> after any series but and and they're going home i expect they they have to win of course game three here they just they just must in utah uh but it i'm just not convinced if this game gets close again that the jazz know how to close out a game they just do not seem to have that um a team that's been together a long time they've got the all-star talent they've got shooters you know they're well coached for the most part but something happens in fourth quarters where utah just seem to really tighten up and don't almost don't trust themselves on offense yeah, yeah, the same thing happened last year in round two yeah. with the Clippers knocking them out. Uh, the the Terrence Mann game, uh, they just went five out, leave Rudy in the middle, and don't make him a factor on defense. Let's just hope our shots fall. And yeah. the Mavs just changed their shot pro- profile from game one to game two. They went from 32 threes to 47 threes. They know they don't have incredible shot makers on the inside. So let's see if these threes fall. And Maxi Kleba... Uh, ridiculous. I think he had like 10 threes uh, in his or 10 playoff threes in his career before this game. Uh, and yeah, he had eight, eight in this one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if it works every single game, but it definitely felt replicable. That's the word, right? Trey? It did. It felt like they were yeah. open. Oh yeah. They felt like they're just open. Uh, and uh, honestly, uh, yeah. Uh, Conley, uh, you know, even their stoppers and Royce O'Neal and Daniel House, uh, they're getting burnt. I think Rudy Gobert out there just to just to put a, a thought in these guys' head that there's a seven footer out here that is an incredible defender. Try and go by him. I mean, some some guys tried. You know, Josh Green tried at the rim, got denied. I, I know it's a it's a different uh, island out there for a seven footer, but I think that option is better than any of these guys. I think I would just get him out there and let him. Yeah. 
play the entire arc. You got to do the whole thing, man, because you're not really getting the ball on offense. He's their best defender, obviously. Uh, I think that would be a, a better uh, better recipe for success. Can't wait for Luca to come back because, I mean, that obviously tilts it uh, in the favor of the Mavs. Yeah, it does feel like it's this weird circumstance, Trey, where the home team's happy with the 1-1 split, like Lee was talking about. It's, uh, you know, they should really be up 2-0. They had a chance in game one. They could have could have stole that. Maybe Maxi hits one of those uh, corner threes in that game and they pull off that. But I think they're I think they're ecstatic, the Mavericks, to be 1-1 with the idea that Luka maybe comes back in 3-4, in something like that. Yeah, I actually think uh, both teams should probably be happy with the way things went. The Jazz had to win game one. It was the only game we knew 100% for sure that Luka was going to be missing. They didn't play particularly well, I thought, in game one or uh, in game two where they took the loss. So they can escape with Dallas getting a split. Dallas is going to want to do the same. Uh, We still don't know Luka's uh, status for game three. I feel like they're going to play it pretty close to the vest with that until things actually come through and we'll probably know day of game if he's actually going to play. But even with with no Luka out there, it feels like this could easily be whoever shoots better from three is going to win that night's games. Uh, I assume the Jazz will play a little bit better going back to Utah, get some better shooting from uh, maybe their perimeter players as well. But Conley's going to have to be better, and Donovan Mitchell's going to have to give a shit defensively and make some good decisions in the fourth quarter because he has not done either of those things uh, so far in this series. And he he should be the best player in this series until Luka gets back. We've seen him raise his game in the playoffs a whole bunch of times, but he's given it all back defensively, so I don't really care what he's doing offensively. I thought it was very weird. Uh, he got an and one late in the fourth quarter. Rudy Gobert, he was open. He could have gotten the ball on that one. So he went and told Donovan Mitchell afterwards, and you can just tell Donovan Mitchell was pissed to hear from Rudy Gobert. He's like, come on, man. I just got an and one, and you're going to tell me to pass you the ball? He's like, yeah, yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see you. I'll get you the ball down there sometime. (laughs) But I don't know. Uh, He's got to be better in fourth quarters because Conley, I'm not sure he can play in fourth quarters at this point. He is a turnstile out there. So I don't know. Uh, They're running out of guys. At this point, it's like the solutions for the Jazz – are more Danwell House and more Juancho Hernan Gomez, which is cool for us because we love the content, but sure. maybe not ideal, especially considering the way the Jazz have played for the past five seasons. What What's the opposite tray of the vibes are immaculate like we do with Grizzlies and other teams? Like, it's the opposite with the Jazz. The vibes are ejaculate? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 that feels good, baby. <laughs> oh, those are the best vibes. Good point. Good to be point. quite honest. Um, uh, for me, anytime you see beef between Gobert and Mitchell, you just have to wonder if they were eating together that day. Oh, Did yeah, they have true. lunch together? True. So the the vibes are lunchy. The vibes are brunchy. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's bad, but it's a 1-1 series, and we don't know if Luka's going to play, uh, of course, in Game 3. Just back to Brunson, because I do want to give him his shine. The 41 points. I mean, this is insane what he was doing. 15-25 overall, 6-10 from deep. 5 of 7 at the line, chipped in 8 boards, you know, as the as the smallest guy on the Mavs, he got the most rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 0 turnovers, unbelievable with the ball in his hands, you know, that many times against a good Jazz defense. You know, who are the Knicks more interested in, Lee, is the question. Do they want Donovan Mitchell in New York or do they want Jalen Brunson? I mean, you should want Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> you should. Um, I mean, you would take him as your first choice. But uh, Jalen Brunson, I mean, this is the sort of silver lining to Luca being out. 
if he has an incredible series here, I mean, he's going to get paid anyway. But uh, Ooh, yeah, he's, he he's certainly uh, adding a few extra zeros to that uh, that contract that he signs in the summer, wherever that is. I mean, the Mavs obviously are going to try to keep him because if you've got a guy who can perform like this, you know, in the absence of Luca, I mean, you want to you want to keep. And and this is the thing. I think the Mavs certainly need ball handlers and guys who can create for themselves. That's one of the most important things they have because we know Luca can do it. Spencer Dinwiddie has shown he can do it. If you can get another guy out there, then uh, that's great for the way they love to play. Small team, spread the floor out, have everyone shoot threes. Uh, he's he's going to get some big bucks. I wonder where yep. he's going to stay. Is he going to get? Would he go to New York? Would he go for the for the big bright lights of New York City, or would he stay there with the Mavericks? Who knows? Well, somebody's paying him. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Utah Jazz should remember that he's left-handed, Tass. I swear to God, uh, I think uh, people forget. Maybe I even I forgot that he's a left-handed guy. He does a lot of his work on the left side of the floors. You go back and watch this game. Not a lot of baskets coming on the right side of the floor. So maybe try and like shadow him that way, uh, force him that way a little bit more. If you're going to be a turnstile on defense, at least set the turnstile up in the in, in a spot where you're forcing him to go to the right side because he doesn't really want to. This guy loves, of course, going left. But that's my only final note on this game here. Well, he was ridiculously efficient, I thought, in his dribbles. Like he really just just took a couple and found mm-hmm. his way to the rim. There wasn't no over dribbling. It wasn't quite you know Clay Thompson. I'm just firing away, but uh, he just yeah, wasn't wasting any energy. He was yeah, ridiculous to score 41 as a career high regular season playoffs or whatever. You know, blowing by his career high zero turnovers and. The Mavs can look at this uh, when Luca comes back and say, this guy is obviously our number two player and we can rely on him like we rely on Luca. I mean, he is, he is absolutely locked in. So that's, that's the thing that they've got going for him. He can be, you know, our number two. Uh, and I know he sort of has been all season, but really rely on him to create uh, because this is, uh, I, I mean, the Mavs are in the driver's seat. I don't care if, uh, you know, they're going home to Utah. The Mavs, this is the Mavs series to lose. Uh, one final note, I was watching the Mavs broadcast and the Mavs broadcaster said, you know, NBA TV is here. This is a big game. It's the playoffs, number one. Uh, every game is on national television. And if your game, if your game is on uh, NBA TV, that means that it's not as big as the other games. Right, right, so right. it's an unfortunate mistake by uh, our man Derek Harper. Uh, Follow well or Skin Wade wouldn't make that mistake. But uh, <laughs> uh, he, he was basically saying, Jalen Brutt's performing for the national TV crowd. Yeah, it happens in the postseason, Harp. You know it, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, NBA TV was there. They well, were NBA there. TV gets uh, game two of the uh, Wolves-Grizzlies tonight, mm. uh, which had a lot of people a little perplexed why those uh, you know, some of those big stars in John Morant and cat and edwards uh weren't on uh maybe the other bro- uh, the other channels but anyway uh any other notes trey or leon on the mavericks tying up this series one one no notes all right well let's no move on notes. to steph curry scoring 34 points off the bench what a luxury uh as the warriors take the uh 2-0 series lead over the frustrated nuggets trey what do you got man 40 games in 40 nights, Skeets. We've had 11 in three nights. I think that's right. If you want to go back to Friday, you could say 13 in four nights, but 11 real playoff games. And for me, nobody's been more impressive than the Golden State Warriors, who went from barely having set lineups to having a lineup so tough that there are arguments about what to name it. 
Hmm. The new 3G Fast Five Splash Brothers are tough. (laughs) (laughs) I hate 3G so much. 3G. 3G and outdated technology. Yeah. The Palm Pilots are looking good out there. Uh, It was an incredible performance, though, from the 3G lineup, the three guards, if you will. 34 points, five threes for Steph Curry. Like you mentioned at Skeets, just 23 minutes off the bench. 29 points, five threes, eight assists for Jordan Steph Curry Jr. pool and 21 points and three threes for Clay Thompson. Maybe the Suns will have an answer for this team, but Denver definitely doesn't because the Warriors right now have three players you have to guard from 30 or more feet. Two of them in Steph and Jordan Poole are great off the dribble. Clay, if you switch and he's got a guy on him who's four inches shorter, he's going into the post and hitting a jumper over over him. Draymond, awesome passing right now, allowing him to focus completely on defense where he is the best defender in the NBA right now. And then Andrew Wiggins has been incredible as well, just exploiting the little extra space he has out there. 15 points per game on 55% shooting. He's bringing it on the defensive end and hitting the glass pretty hard as well. There have been explosions in both games one and games two. Game two, where the Warriors look like they did the first half of the season when everybody was saying, this is a title contending team right here. Only 11 minutes together so far for the Fast Five in this series, and they're a plus 29, 47 points on 22 shots. It's it's incredible. Things could change in Denver, but the Nuggets really look beat right now. Another dud game for Aaron Gordon. Seven points on three of nine shooting. Just looks completely lost out there. Will Barton took 15 shots to score 12 points. Started fighting with bad vibesman DeMarcus Cousins on the sidelines there. And then 26 points on 20 shots for Jokic. The battle with Draymond is so much fun to watch those two. Also 11 rebounds uh, for Jokic. But the big number to me, four assists last night for Jokic before the ejection. He's averaging five for the series, and that was the key to me. Jokic is going to score. Like, he's going to – it's tough for him against Draymond because he Draymond's such a, a strong defender. He can take the bumps, and then his hands are so quick and so strong that he can actually – influence it Jokic's shot on the way up but taking away the assists and the Nuggets role players just not doing anything really in this series at least when uh at least when they absolutely need it has has been the difference so yeah the Warriors to me look as good as they have looked the entire season right now which is exactly what you want to see after not knowing how they were going to look at all going into the playoffs it's it's wild Tass what do you like for the new Warriors death lineup you like I mean and it is just for those that don't know it is Curry Clay Pool. That's the three guards. They got Draymond and Wiggins. That's the new Warriors death lineup. Um, people call it Fast Five. PTSD has been thrown around. Liquid lineup. What? Pool party. <laughs> Deathcon Five. A lot of these coming by way of Stat Muse and other people chiming in. Do you have Do you have a favorite of that bunch, uh, Tass, or something else, or are you like, why do we need a name for this lineup that's played, uh, you know, twenty minutes or whatever it is against the Nuggets? Yeah, did you say 11 minutes to this point, Trey? That's freaking nuts. It's uh, very few, uh, be, yeah. Because it's so impactful when, it, when it's out there. I like the the connection to the death lineup, You know, if there is one. There really isn't. I mean, the post-mortem like lineup I heard. You death know, Con? Something, you like Death Con deathy. 5? Boo. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think there's got to be like a yeah, post-mortem, something death, something... Death two, ah, nah. Ah, there's got to be something better with the death, like you know the the new iteration, the Death Dynasty. Mm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we're 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 working on it. Uh, you know, the, if they're gonna get a name, they if we're gonna if we're gonna anoint them with the name, they got to get to the second round okay. at the very least. <laughs> okay. uh, and I think everybody can uh, 
swash it around for another week or so and figure it out because there's there's something better than that but uh, i think jordan pool i mean he is he's trusted by steve kerr obviously because he's not taking any more of those dumb shots uh he's taken 13 shots and 16 shots as the starting point guard he's scoring 59 points on 29 shots and they can just allow steph one of the best guards ever to come off the bench and steph obviously you know one of the best teammates and superstars ever he could be playing out there 35 minutes a game he could be starting but he's comfortable coming off the bench which is pretty freaking cool for this team uh, at this point so uh he's he's trying to gear up and be his best in round two it sure looks like and then round three if they do fe- uh, face the phoenix suns which yeah i'm already starting to think about how the suns guard uh, this team right. because yeah when those three are out there uh as trey said 30 feet and out those guys are spreading it wiggins is uh mr mid-ranger and draymond's really really comfortable taking threes even right now and and the other side is fun to watch just Draymond against Jokic and I think Draymond is getting some reputation non-calls the way he's getting physical in the post god it's fun to watch uh but Jokic's ribs man they're they're taking shot after shot after shot and I can see why he's pissed and I can see why he gets uh, ejected like he's he's keeping his cool uh but you know he is he's he's, he didn't like somebody slapping him on the butt I thought he was gonna like destroy Gary Payton the second there yeah uh, he could get pissed after every play I think he's uh <laughs> I think he's keeping somewhat uh keeping it cool somewhat and seeing that no one else can really uh you know help him out enough to to overcome this Warriors offense uh, they're frustrated they're turning into a bunch of temper boys is what the Warriors are doing to them because yeah he gets ejected because he's like you know over it Monte Morris got a technical that guy never gets a technical Barton and Cousins getting into it like Trey said a little altercation on the bench like Lee, they're just completely frustrated, and rightfully so. It's like, I don't know how you stop this team. I don't know what you do with Steph Curry, for crying out loud. It's coming off yeah. the damn bench. Uh, and then you have Draymond Green sort of, you know, locking up as much as you can lock up an MVP, but, like, making life difficult, tiresome, and then nobody else helping him. It's, you know, at, at, at a certain point, you're over it, I think. Yeah, and Draymond, I think, laid this seed in the uh, in the day before the game where he said he's probably going to go for 40 and 20, you know, playing the mind games there with Nikola Jokic. Uh, but look, Jokic, as we you know, he's a great player, but he does have to be careful with his temper here because we've yeah. seen him get ejected in the past for, for lashing out. And last night when he got his second tee, I can't remember who it was who came right in there closely, but if they came in a second or two later, he may have just kept going at the ref there. And he's, and he's sort of flirting with maybe being suspended spender because when he gets when he rages like that he gets right in the ref's face and he and he needs to be able to sort of calm himself down a little bit because he can't cost his team anymore but I think the big part of the frustration comes from the fact that Jordan Poole basically LeBrontoed the uh, Nuggets there last night anything he did seemed to go was the right decision whether it was that behind the back pass there to Bielitsa the dancing back into the corner three-pointer that's just like a, a real like playground move there that was a perfect swish and then he just Every other shot he seemed to take seemed to just be uh, the perfect swish here. And the Nuggets are like, oh, my God, okay, it's Jordan Poole. And then Steph Curry comes off the bench, and he's hitting shots that are just classic Steph Curry's as well. That one where he got that screen, the Draymond Green pass, and he, he barely had it in his hands. He's falling out of bounds. He's going away from the basket. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, if you're the Nuggets, it's like you just need one or two little breaks to go your way. Instead, it's all going the other way. And you guys obviously have talked about Draymond Green being brilliant. I mean, if you look at his box score, six points, only three 
three rebounds, you know, like for a defender, usually a guy has a great game. He sort of mops up a lot of boards. He only had three rebounds. He had six assists and three steals. So one of those games where the box score says, oh, Draymond maybe wasn't that effective, but he was completely dominant there. And Jokic just knows, like when it's a physical battle like that, that's exactly what Draymond wants. He wants that sort of uh, show of strength down there, knowing that Jokic is looking around going, well, I can't really pass it out either. I'm not sure these guys can hit these shots, so he has to do everything he can. But, uh, yeah, this one is looking very, very ominous here for the Nuggets. They may not pick up a win. I mean, they, they look flustered. They're not getting enough help. The Warriors look the opposite. Steph Curry has looked look like he has no effect from that uh, the last couple of weeks that he missed. The only question is, is will Steve Kerr continue to bring him off the bench? Because why not at this point? You know, Steph Curry seems... Yeah, why not? You have two Steph Currys right now. Exactly. Cool is playing but, like but, and, and you know, coaches, like, that's one of the most um, trickiest things to tell any players. Hey, come off the bench. Most don't want to do it at any point of their career. But Steph seems to actually said, like, I'm fine with this, you know? And uh, Jordan Poole's rolling. And, and if you've got that sort of chemistry right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Kerr's just like, you want to just keep this up for the next game at least and see what happens yeah. from there. So yeah. uh, we'll we'll see. But honestly, for the Nuggets, it, it's so hard to see how they are going to get back into it because they haven't got enough defenders to stop all these guys who seemingly just can't miss a shot. And then on the offensive end, it doesn't, doesn't feel like anyone's erupted or on the verge of erupting here for the Nuggets. So uh, could be a quick series. The, yeah, the frustration has to come from and it's happened in both games. The Nuggets have played well for, you know, 18 minutes of the game. And then, you know, they let go of the rope. And and in this one, it was like that, whatever we're calling it, the new death lineup. They come in with like six to go in the second quarter. They're down something like eight points. So the Nuggets are leading. And by the time you get to half, mm. it's the Warriors up six. I mean, it's a 22 to eight run in half a quarter, in the blink of an eye. And then, you know, that's similar to what happened in game one. The, the Warriors ended that half on an 18-4 to four run over the final three and a half minutes. And it's got to be super deflating uh, that you're like, we're in it, we're fighting, we're competing, and then, holy crap, what just happened? We just got hit with like three or four threes, we can't score, and now we're in a hole and we got to try and get out of it. And it just got worse in the uh, third quarter. Yeah, what do you think, Tass, of the, of the Nuggets' chances to take, let's be honest, to take a game in this when the Warriors are playing like this nah no I don't I don't feel like it's going to happen (laughs) just just uh, it feels like they probably have uh, PTSD that was a nickname right Uh, right now Uh, you see I don't mind PTSD actually stream team chipping in sure with with the nicknames Cameron PTSD equals Poole Thompson Steph Draymond See, that's not bad. So where's Wiggins? <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's the thing. It's funny to keep Wiggins out. And also, it doesn't matter who the fifth is. I think you could... See, See, I thought they played way more minutes together in these first two games uh, because, you know, they've they've had a little Otto Porter out there. And that's why the fifth really doesn't matter to me. I mean, it matters, but if it's non-All-Star Wiggins and it's Otto Porter, I think that's fine, too. Okay. Also, uh, Ben Trotter... Liquid death. Oh, that's what the kids are drinking. Uh, get it on the pot. And I did see PJ Tucker post game drinking the liquid death. And I know JD's sons uh, like the liquid death. I don't know if I can sell out for it though. I mean, that, that stuff is thick, thick water. It's the weirdest what? thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. it's it's strange. Uh, but we'll probably sell out. Um, yeah, Sean McCabe post traumatic stress dynasty for PTSD. Anyways, we'll get there. We'll get there. We okay. got some time. I think they're lasting uh, post first round because yeah, I, I, where's it going to come from? Um, they're going to rely on Will Barton and Monte Morris to do it, uh, but. 
if you can guard Jokic one-on-one, and it's obviously proven that they can yeah. because it's not just Draymond Green. Looney's taking his turn as well to keep Draymond fresh. Uh, and these uh, these Warriors, yeah, bring Steph off the bench. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard with guys that are absolutely on fire. And we didn't even mention Clay is just standing there waiting for the ball, uh, and he he hit you know tw- he had 21, uh, and they have to pay attention to two guys. They're paying attention to, to Poole and Steph when they're on there together, and then Clay's just open in the corner, just yeah. hanging. Uh, I think we came up with a name a long time ago, Trey. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you got the Splash Brothers in Clay and Curry. You add Jordan Poole. There's like that fun little mix there. I thought we were trying to go with like a cannonball run or something like that. <laughs> Which I don't, you know, the cannonball because of the pool and the yeah. splashes, and they're always on a run of some sort. <laughs> yeah, I would. At the very least, I would like when they go on a thirteen to zero run. That's the cannonball, cannonball run because they're splashing yeah. like crazy. Okay, I like that. So I think I lock like that, that one in. Skeets. All I can think of is preseason. We did uh, that that TikTok for the athletic, and I know you you were feeling like you botched a little a little because you ended up saying that Jordan Poole is going to win Finals MVP. That's right. But you thought it was going to be somebody else's hot take. You might end up looking like a genius here. Yeah. He could yeah. he could win finals MVP. <laughs> I don't know what his odds were at the beginning of the playoffs, but through two games, certainly they're better than they were at the start. Yeah, it's a possibility. It's certainly yeah. a possibility. Yeah, thank you for reminding me of that insane prediction. Yeah, that would be my greatest call of all time. If Jordan Poole goes on to win finals MVP, uh, you'll never hear the end of it. I'll bring it up every show. Um, Lee, anything else from... Uh, this game, this series, and what the Nuggets can do. What do you got, man? Help Malone out. What, what can they do? I mean, uh, I hit shots and hope that uh, every one of those five superstars on the Warriors has an awful, awful game. You know, I was thinking of a nickname as well. We've got the Bamboo Boys. Maybe they're the Bay Bros. I don't know. There might be something there. You know, I want to get away from death and murder and killing and all that. This, right. You know, like the sure. Bamboo Boys uh, it exemplifies fun and laughter and joy, you know? <laughs> So they the should be the bay. of fun and laughter. Yeah, the bay bros, you know? Yeah, there is a problem with the death angle. Uh, at least I think there's a problem. It's like, this is a good lineup, don't get me wrong. And Jordan Poole is playing at an unbelievable level. But we're talking about a lineup that had Kevin Durant in it. Now mm. that, that's a death lineup when he's involved oh, yeah. with these guys. <laughs> it's still a little step down. No offense to, to Poole and Wiggins <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, it's uh, I don't know, you know. It's it's on the verge of death, I guess. <laughs> you know? But uh, it's Imagine not as bad that, with yeah. Imagine you get Wiggins out and Kevin Durant back into that team. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess the original one wow. started with uh, Harrison Barnes. Mm, and that's true. Yeah, that was pre-Durant. That was pre-Durant. But then it got yeah. Then it turned into Mega Death, right? And that what they were calling mm, that one. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, good luck to the uh, to the Nuggets fans out there. Hopefully, they can take Game Three. We're gonna take our first break here, though. When we come back. We'll talk about the Raptors getting their asses handed to them by Joel Embiid and the Sixers. And Marcus Smart wins the first award, and he got pranked. So don't go anywhere. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, back with No Dunks here in the yard. Thanks again to everybody joining us live right now. Doing some big numbers here on a Tuesday. Hit that like button. Subscribe to No Bunks. We do No Bunks. No Dunks. We do this every <laughs> single day. Uh, Lee, I have good news and bad news. Okay, what do you hit want me first? with the bad news. Bad news is your Raptors in five. Yes. <laughs> Prediction, it's officially dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can they appeal? What if they appeal? Can they get the no, game over? No. To- no? There will be okay. no devouring the Raptors, okay. at least of the Sixers, maybe okay. the other way around. Uh, the good news is, <laughs> I heard on the streets that a series doesn't start until the home team loses. <laughs> uh, so, there is that. So, Joel Embiid scores 31 to carry the 76ers to the 2-0 series lead on the Raptors. What are, you, what are you taking away from this one last night, Lee? Uh, another very impressive performance by Philadelphia. So far, so good through the first two games. And this one was a very spicy one from the start. Very physical. The Raptors uh, clearly wanted to come out and uh, show themselves to be physical in their defense of the 76ers. And I think Joel Embiid did a very smart job by, uh, uh, you know, absorbing that contact, going inside and, and getting a lot of foul uh, calls. He got to the free throw line 12 times in the first quarter. Now some Raptors fans are saying, ah, you know, the, Ra- the Raptors are going up against eight players tonight. I don't think that was the case. I think Embiid's approach was very smart in that he put pressure on the defense. He put pressure on the referees to make the call. And then he hit those free throws. Despite all that, the Raptors led after one quarter, which was kind of shocking, really, because it felt like the Raptors didn't have anything. They were in foul trouble. They're obviously shorthanded, but they did enough to get that lead. But in the second quarter, it really fell apart for them, in particular when Joel Embiid sat out. That was the key here for the Raptors in this series, is like when Joel Embiid sits, you've got to win those minutes. And that did not happen in this game. He sat and they lost those minutes by 12 points, which was really, really tough for the Raptors because they seem to struggle to get anything going really offensively, any sort of groove. And they have a chance there. But when Joel Embiid's hit, Tyrese Maxey was really good. Danny Green's hitting three. Tobias Harris has been really good. And James Harden, I mean, this is the interesting thing. If you look at his box score from this game, he took nine shots, went one for four from downtown, 14 points and six assists. You'd think, well, he must have had a bad game. But I think James Harden had a very smart game. I thought he played well. He passed the ball. He wasn't in a rush. He didn't need to do all that much because these other guys I mentioned, Maxie and Harris and Danny Green, knocking down shots. And if if the Sixers are getting that sort of production out of those other guys, it just takes so much pressure off guys like Harden to have to go out there and try to get those 30, 35 points a night. So everything right now for Philadelphia is really going in their favor because I mentioned the Raptors. No Scotty Barnes in this one. Not sure yet of his status in Game 3. Gary Trent did come out and play last night with a non-COVID illness, but he he only played 10 minutes and he was he done. He shouldn't have. No, he shouldn't have. He didn't give them anything. And then Thaddeus Young. Look, Thaddeus Young is, a, is an old guy. You don't expect tons from him, but he's got the, the, the bum uh, thumb injury there. Uh, he didn't really give them all that much. And I just thought Pascal, Fred, and OG, the last sort of three guys they had... 
tried, tried to be competitive, but I thought Philadelphia's defense on them was pretty good for the most part. You know, they didn't seem to get a ton of open looks. Fred hit a couple of bombs, but it wasn't like the uh, the defense wasn't there. They just weren't able to get any sort of rhythm. Now, the Raptors did make a bit of a fake comeback there where they went on a 20-2 to run late, and there was a few Sixers fans, I noticed, you know, starting to uh, uh, put Doc Rivers under a little bit of pressure, you know, because if they'd blown what was once a 29-point lead, I think the Sixers fans would have been exceptionally upset this morning because, uh, again, the Raptors being shorthanded and, and the Sixers seemingly in complete control of this one. But Philadelphia closes it out and uh, takes a very impressive 2-0 lead in this series, heading back to Toronto. And uh be interesting to see now how the Raptors answer in game, in game three because they tried the physical stuff on Embiid and, and, and it worked to a degree. Like I say, they led, but Joel Embiid seemed to be like, okay, let's play that way. I, I want to do that. And, and I like the fact that he did get, uh, you know, he, he sort of was like, okay, let's get physical. Let's make this a, uh, a rough playoff game. But ultimately it worked in Philadelphia's favor because Embiid has shown without totally dominating that he is the best player in this series. Tass, what do you think? You're a Raptors fan. Problems with the whistle, problems with the way they're officiating Joel Embiid, or are Raptors fans going overboard here with their complaining about, oh, it's eight on five. What do you think? The Raptors stunk. <laughs> Forget about the, the free throws. Yeah, Joel Embiid went to the free throw line 12 times in the first quarter, but it was a one-point game after the first quarter. So Joel Embiid sits down, and those are the minutes that the Raptors' five should be just as good as the Sixers' five. And it was weak. They got destroyed the first six minutes of the second quarter, and they didn't have the legs, the depth uh, to come back. The, the fight was gone. They got beat by not Embiid. Not Embiid. They, he, he sat. It was Harden, Shake Milton, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Paul Reed. And, and then that uh, you know, Tyrese Maxey came in uh, for a little bit, and that's when they got down double digits. And listen, uh, a part of it is Scotty Barnes isn't playing, so Fred Van Vliet played like the first 30-plus minutes of this game, and he obviously got sloppy and tired in that second quarter, for sure. Uh, you know, Gary Trent, he was out there, but he wasn't great. I, I think he needed to play because they just didn't have any depth. Uh, and, and yeah, Thaddeus Young, thumb injury, bum injury, whatever the hell he had, he was bum, thumb. very... He, 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 he was disappointing. Those, those first six minutes, you lost to Danny Green and, and Shake Milton and Tobias Harris. And they, and yeah, and they, they died a slow death uh, throughout this game. But it was then that this game was absolutely over. You know, Fred just went from a 14-point uh, first quarter to really slumping because, you know, he's got the knee injury and they don't have depth right now. And I think some has to be put on... Uh, Pascal Siakam for not being an all-NBA player these first two games. But, I mean, that's the offensive end. I, I think, really, the, the defensive end is where they lost this game. And uh, Embiid had two more free throws the rest of the way. Like, yeah, you can look at the final numbers and say, well, they went to the free throw line 30 times, and, and that hurts us. But what hurts us is <laughs> allowing the role players of the 76ers to beat us by double digits. Joel Embiid had the lowest plus-minus of any starter out there. They lost the minutes uh, where yeah, Thaddeus Young allowed Danny Green to grab an offensive rebound because he wasn't working hard enough, and they just weren't working hard enough those first six minutes. So, yeah, no Scotty Barnes, obviously, uh, was a factor. Malachi Flynn just isn't physical enough for the postseason there. They're lacking uh, guys 
uh, with enough effort. Um, so I don't know if you're complaining about the the official skeets, but it ain't the zebras for no, me. It was not at it all. Was, the Sixers, it was the Embiidless minutes. The Sixers have won by an average of like 17 and a half points these two games. That doesn't happen just because of the officiating. Because they've been simply outclassed by a definitely more talented Sixers team right now. Embiid, I'm with you, Lee. He was relishing all this talk about uh, how they're going to play him and the physical content. And maybe Embiid of old settles, starts jacking up mm. threes. But that ain't him right now. He's like, oh, sure. Give me the ball. Let them swarm me. And he got fouled on a lot of these plays. I don't know if Raptors fans want to hacked. hear that. He's getting <laughs> yeah. killed. There was maybe <laughs> one. There was maybe three guys. I think the ones that piss Nurse off are the ones where Embiid barrels over guys, right? And he's like, well, what do you want us to do? And this 300-pound dude is just like trucking us that's when he should that's what he should be upset about and that's fair but all these other ones i'm with you yeah slapping hacking he's a giant i mean how are they possibly raptors fans surprised that they're getting beat in the free throw department against a team with harden and Embiid on it i mean like do you not know what they do this is what they do so yeah you just got to play better all around i can't even think of a sixer player lee that's played all that poorly in this series is the other thing you know, Maxi, another massive game in yeah. this one. You know, 23, 9, and 8. Huge shots. Stopped the bleeding when the Raptors made, like, that little comeback. Cut it to 11. Hit that big transition three. That was sort of game. Harris continuing to play well. You know, the guys coming off the bench in, in, in spot minutes, they're playing fine. Nobody's, like, sinking them. Like, who's playing bad on the Sixers where there's a lot of guys not living up to their end of the bargain for the Raptors? Well, he's not playing bad, but Matisse Thybul's largely been not <laughs> yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but that's by design. Doc, Rivers is, Doc Rivers is like, uh, we, we're not going to have him in Toronto, so let's not sort of miss him. Uh, he's been coming off the bench. But also, they don't really need him out there because offensively, he can't shoot. He's not a good shooter. And defensively, he's not needed to sort of lock down a guy because everyone else is doing that job. But Tyrese Maxey... Fuck me, he is quick. When he decides to go inside, <laughs> oh it's just, it is a blur. I know, you know, he's got the young legs there, and we've seen guys in the park, you know, Westbrook and John Wall and Rose, and those guys are quick, but oh my God, when Maxi decides to sort of get that first step, he is in the paint before you've even had a chance to know that he's made that move. Uh, it's incredible. But he's a good finisher around the rim. I like his um, composure that he's able to sort of lay the ball in or get you know get a good shot off there. And he's also hitting the threes. He almost had a triple-double there last night, which is just incredible. So uh, yeah, things are going really, really well for uh, Philadelphia right now. I will say this though. I mean, they're 2-0 up and they're likely to win the series from here. Statistically, I know they likely to do it. But you know, in the past, We've seen, you know, the Raptors were down 2-0 against Milwaukee when they came back and won the championship, mm-hmm. and they looked completely outclassed then. They didn't have, they had Kawhi Land, they obviously don't have him now. But even last year, you know, like, the remember the Jazz were up uh, 2-0 on the Clippers, you know. It, it's happened in the past. The, the Warriors, for example, in the 2016 finals, destroyed the Cavs in the first two games and ended up losing the series. So things can change, and the Raptors obviously need all their healthy bodies, but they just need as well to play uh, a more locked-in, at least sort of 36 to 40 minutes because they seem to be okay well they were they weren't okay in the game one but last night they were good for at least the first quarter and then they just weren't able to keep up the intensity so things can change I think your point with Nick Nurse there is oh, I see it more as just like the coaches like trying to sort of you know say to his guys hey I got your back even if he believes they are the right fouls he's got to sort of play the referees a little yeah, bit try yeah, to get yeah. in Joel Embiid's head I, I think that's just the way it is a bit of gamesmanship there from Nick Nurse because you know you saw Pascal Siakam basically jump on Joel Embiid at the uh, in the first quarter there I think it was only uh, I don't think he got a flagrant for that I think he just got a, a no, common foul didn't. for there it there was a bit of slippage there with Embiid yeah, too, but he but, went but, down hard but right. that's the thing yeah. they're like okay the only way to, to maybe affect Embiid is to have him know that if he comes in the pain he's going to get hit and Embiid's like 
fine, I'll play that game as well. So this is good. I mean, this is a good playoff physical series. This is what we want. The Raptors just have to be a lot better for, for more than just 12 minutes. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating here for Nurse and the Raptors, though. It's a, it's a bit of a pick-your-poison, right, with this team right now. It's like, if you pay too much attention to Embiid, he's making the right play, and these other guys are beating the Raps, be it Maxi, be it Harris, you know, you know, throw Harden in there, of course. You focus more on those guys, and then it's just Embiid, more room to operate, and go to work and get to the line and score inside. It's it's a it's a bit of like which one you're gonna do. <laughs> Raptors do not have a Draymond Green to like uh, sort of neutralize an MVP like guy in a beat. It's going to take a lot of guys, and you almost have to pray these other guys' tasks, like a Maxi in Toronto, can, it just suddenly goes ice cold. But that it's it, you know it's not even just a three point shooting like Lee said. He's attacking, and I think he's almost single handedly beating the Raptors in fast break points in this series. <laughs> so that's the other thing. Like they're getting stops and they're gone. Um, so yeah, I don't know where, I don't, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't know where nurse and the raps go from here outside of hopefully the, the fans obviously going nuts for game three. They haven't had a playoff game there in a long time. Maybe that, you know, encourages a, a whistle or two in their favor and Embiid picks up an offensive foul or two early, but then they got to win those minutes when he goes to the bench. Cause they're not even really doing that in this series, which we thought would be the difference maker. Oh, yeah, they're getting spanked in those minutes. <laughs> Again, uh, it's a one-point game after the first quarter when you're happy that, yeah, Joan B went to the line 12 times, but we're scoring. And, uh, yeah, the second quarter they got smashed because, yeah, the Raps just aren't everywhere defensively like they used to be. They're, you know, they are hanging out on Embiid and not being able to get out to the, the shooters a bit, not getting back in transition. Tyrese Maxey, yeah, killing them there. Yeah, it's an effort thing for sure. I don't think the fans are really going to help it. Maybe, uh, maybe that the defense picks up a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, it. They, need, they can't. They're not. The Raptors are not going to score 120 points to win these games. It's got to be. It's got to be a lot uglier. It's got to be in high 90s at at the very least. Is their yeah. best chance to win these games? They need stops for sure. And that's when they got back into the game. They had eight consecutive stops. You know, did the Sixers take their foot off the gas a little? Sure, uh, but they strung together some stops and and made it that 11 point game when they made the fourth quarter run. Um, but yeah, yeah we'll that's see, why it's that's happen. why it's surprising. That's why it's surprising. In the first game, they they shot nearly fifty and forty uh, from the mm-hmm. floor. But if they're not getting back in transition, then everyone's gonna uh, beat them. You know, I, I think uh, yeah, Harden's uh, uh, shooting like thirty five percent and and totally getting a pass from people because he's passing the ball because everybody else is just destroying Toronto. Just the the role players, which is. Yeah, pretty damn unexpected, and it's so unexpected. I'm sure you're not even going home for a game, Skeets, when it when it looks this bad. No, I have not. Uh, haven't fired up the flights. <laughs> not not looking into it right now. I did. Hey, I did my work last night. I stood. <laughs> I was standing, and it was uh, great for the first uh, quarter there when Van Vliet was going off. It was uh, it was fantastic, but then that game got out of control. Uh, not looking good for the Raps' chances. And look, three of us had the Raps. Trey had the Sixers. Um, wraps in five. Lee's is done. That's our first prediction officially off the board, Lee. No yeah. devouring. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you know, maybe the Sixers fans can thank me for it. You know, maybe I, oh. I provided them with bulletin board material. You know, because I'm sure I'm sure Joel Embiid's listening to the show and he's like, "Fuck yeah. that guy." You know, so <laughs> it's possible. Uh, Trey, any other any other notes on uh, game two last night between Philly and Toronto, or moving forward in this series? I think Maxi's going to continue to have a really big series because there does not seem to be an answer for the one-two pick and roll like 
You're right, Tass. Harden is maybe having the most underwhelming series for the Sixers, shooting 35%, but the assists are there. And Maxi, for as fast as he is with his legs, he's also very fast between the ears. As soon as he sees the lane on that one-two, it's like either I'm popping a three or I'm going straight to the hoop. Obviously not a ton of big guys at the rim uh, for the Raptors, so I'm not exactly sure how they go about addressing that. There's only one Fred Van Vliet. He can't guard everybody. He can't guard both sides of that pick and roll. So that's really tough, especially with Gary Trent having the poops. So uh, I I imagine that Maxie is going to continue to succeed. Tobias Harris has found his role absolutely perfectly. And that's why, you know, when Maxie and Tobias Harris are the first and third leading scorers on the Sixers, they're a tough team to beat because you know Embiid's going to give you 30 points even if he's not playing an incredible series. I think he's been good, but not great. He can go to another level. Maybe the change of scenery helps. But at this point, the Raptors played nine guys last night. Three of them did absolutely nothing. So you're left with six. And they've been playing the short rotation for the entire year. So it's getting tougher and tougher. Uh, and there are less and less solutions here. Maybe Ken Birch needs to start in the starting lineup and just foul and bead the entire time. Make him call all six on him. Just a little bit of size maybe helps. I mean, Achua didn't do much last night. He's good in transition, but that hasn't been there for the Raptors at this point. They got to figure out how to get stops because then they can get in transition as well, which certainly helps their offense. But getting stops has been the hard part so far. Yeah, I guess the one good thing for the Raps in game two is they won the turnover battle 14-9, and they won the offensive uh, rebound battle 13-7, to you know, something that they got uh, outclassed in game one by Philly. But not that it mattered on the final score. Um, it's... Yeah, I'm not really sure what the answer is. And you're right, Lee, with Tybal, we thought that might be huge in this series. Whoa, he's not going to be able to play in Toronto. He's played 29 minutes. He scored mm-hmm. eight points. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's been like there. And he's out there for defense. I get that. But yeah, where would you rank him right now on Sixers playing in this series? He's like their eighth or ninth most important player right yeah, now. So yeah. that's a good sign when he can't play in these games in Toronto. Yeah. But game three, you win game three. And then suddenly it's like you talk yourself into this being a series yeah. again. In any of them when you're down 2-0 and you go home. Yeah, and remember, I think, you know, against the Bucks, it was either overtime or double overtime, remember, where the Raptors, you know, pulled that one out and yep. then went on to yep. win the series. So it just it just sort of shows how quickly, you know, things can change, um, you know, in a series. You know, especially if the, uh, if the Raptors, for example, or the... Um, uh, the Sixers, you know, maybe get a little bit like, all right, we've got this series now, we can we can wrap this up. So that things can happen like that, but uh, it's hard to sort of see it right now. Yeah, I think one other tiny thing the Raps can do is stop paying as much attention to James Harden. I think they're they're treating him, mm-hmm. you know, beyond Embiid. You know, they're they're obviously focusing on Embiid and focusing on Harden, and then it's the third guy in Maxi that's really going off. And we're seeing in all these series the X factor of the third guy, the Jordan Poole, really destroying uh, teams. Uh, that one-two pick and roll uh, was, was talked about on the Athletic. That James Harden said to Hey Doc, let's do let's do a little one-two pick and roll. Apparently, it was his suggestion, and yeah, it's hurting. And I think. Paying attention to the the one in this situation, the Harden in this situation is kind of hurting. Uh, I think the one on one with him, while paying more attention to Maxi and the, those pick and rolls, can help because, yeah, he's the driver right now, obviously. Um, but then Harden can go off as well. So, I mean, it's so uh, what, it's like the NBA TV treatment. Live with right now. Live with Harden, step back threes, and hope he's due for a yeah. two for eleven type night. Yeah. Harden's, Harden's yeah. certainly not penetrating, you know, with that speed no, and explosiveness no. he's settling. No. But uh, it was a big night, of course, uh, for Tyrese and for Kleber. So uh, who was your uh, maxi of the night there, guys? Oh, wow. <laughs> Very nice inside joke there, Lee, from our former uh, makeup artist at the uh, starters. 
<laughs> NBA TV. Well, I think, okay, Lee, what yeah. about this? Maxi for the Sixers. Incredible in the first two games. Maxi Kleber, eight threes last night. Are you expecting a big game from Max Struess tonight? <laughs> oh, I hope not. I hope not for the Hawkies. Uh, the Haw- Hawks need something as well themselves. Uh, that's going to be tough. But yeah, the big three Maxes. I mean, they're all they're all different. The Max, Maxi, and the Maxi. That's right. Uh, we need uh, Tass. We need Drake to get involved here too with this series going to Toronto. What do you mean, Skeets? Take James Harden out to the fine establishments in Toronto. Getting beat out there partying in Toronto. Uh, Things are starting to open up out there. I think it did snow, though. Poor people in Jurassic Park last night. (laughs) My God. Imagine standing in the snow in mid-April to watch the Raptors get their asses handed them by uh, the Sixers. Uh, Those troopers. We love you up there, but uh, that's tough. Yeah, Drake's got to do his part. Tass's got to party with the Sixer boys. Get them all hung over there for uh, when's that next game? Wednesday night? Wednesday night. The NBA TV game. Oh. Even the Bulls Bucks got national coverage. Oh, jeez. You know, the non NBA TV game on Wednesday because the Raps Sixers looks bad. Hey, I'm down for I'm down for Drake. He'll be there early. He's putting the work in. <sighs> okay. Uh, we got <laughs> Big some, Danny uh... Green dunk last night. Oh, that was wild, God. man. Did yeah. Danny Green throw down like that? Does he have any dunks yet this season? I forgot to look He had that one. Up. He had one. Yeah. Someone, uh, I saw someone <laughs> else crazy. asking about that. It was back in November, I think, against Orlando. So uh, <laughs> he doubled his dunk total for the season. <laughs> there you last go. Night. He's been great, too. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the former after. Yeah. Hitting, uh, like he was like Tassay, big part of that 15 to 4 Sixers run when Embiid went to the bench. I think he splashed a couple threes in that little run there. Yeah. When Danny Green dunks, you know the game is officially over uh, and that you can move on to game three. So we'll see. Hey, any, any thoughts, Tass, on the nurse Embiid exchange? I saw you tweeting about it and, and reading lips. Um, anything to add to that, that clip that's been making its way around? I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, I didn't see before that. I guess Embiid approached Nurse to say, hey, stop bitching about calls. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. or, or or did he just happen to be there and it, and it came up? Because that would be weird if Embiid went over while they're spanking the raps <laughs> uh, to say, hey, pipe down, man. Uh, I mean, Nurse is, he's desperate. Uh, he's desperate for sure. He, 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 chall- he made a challenge four minutes left in the second quarter. That's when he used his challenge on that uh, Tobias Harris driving into Gary Trent Jr. It was an 11-point game, and I guess he didn't want to let it get away yeah. at that point. Uh, he just – it was in Philly's barn, and maybe, yeah, let's be optimistic. Maybe it's a different at home. Maybe maybe the 19,800 faithful, you know, dredge in there after after a snowstorm in April, and they're pissed, <laughs> so they, they get behind this team, and they get a dub. Just one. It just takes one. Oh, yeah. Your season's on the line. It's game three. You have to win it. It's a wrap if you're down 3-0. Everybody knows that. So we'll see. Uh, got some news here. We got a got an award <laughs> handed out just like that. We got the finalists, and then they're like, all right, let's give one away. Marcus Smart, congratulations to him. He is the 2021-22 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, as everyone knows by now, Smart becomes the first guard to earn the honor since Gary Payton in the 95-96 season. GP uh, helping give Smart the award there uh, yesterday. Pranking him. Classic GP style. Uh, Smart received 
257 points overall, uh, 37 first place votes from a global panel of 100 sports writers and broadcasters. Mikhail Bridges finished in second place, 202 points, uh, 22 first place votes, so a lot going to him as well. Rudy Gobert finished third with 136 points, 12 first place votes. We're showing you the voting results here on the YouTube machine. Uh, Bam, actually getting more first place votes than uh, Rudy. Um, Yeah, so Marcus Smart getting this, Lee. What What do you think? Yeah, well deserved. I think uh, all of those guys up the top had a very, very strong case. Uh, you know, I think Smart is a great defender. Mikael Bridges has been a brilliant defender there for Phoenix. He plays every single game. Rudy's there just because of the fact that he's a three-time winner of this. Bam, he's a great defender as well. But now Bam was saying it was disrespectful. He played 56 games. I mean, you can't miss a third of the season and still expect to win an award when there's so many other super strong candidates. My pick, Jaron Jackson, came in just after that, and I thought he also had a very strong case. It's funny that Giannis, for me, who has won this award in the past, I, I mean, I think, again, he's just taken for granted how good he is defensively. and People are just like, we know he's great. So I think that does count against him. These awards are never perfect. They're never scientific. It's a lot about sort of narrative and feel and, hey, maybe we just give it to this guy because he's deserving of it. And I think that does help Marcus Smart's case. I know that some people were talking about Smart, maybe not even the best defender on the Celtics because they, they feel that it's such a great defensive unit and uh, Jason Tatum, some say, is better. So there was a lot of debate going around there last night. Some people just didn't think Smart was worth of an honor of defensive player of the year i think he is i think he's an incredible uh, effective active defender he does get into uh, the lane a lot and takes a lot of charges and throws his body on the line sometimes he embellishes we know that most players do at some point but i have no problem with marcus smart winning i think he's a, a great defender worthy of this and this is something that really means a lot to him because this is pretty much the only award he can win he's not going to win any of the other ones and he goes out there and uh, and he really does take pride in how he defends anybody and I think he does a really good job so well done to him Trey thoughts on Smart getting his first DPOI here especially at the guard position I agree with ML here in the stream team this was more of a Boston Celtics award to be quite honest and I think that's right you know Robert Williams had a nice case for defensive player of the year but when he went down with injury the campaign shifted to Marcus Smart Best defender on the best defensive team in the league. That's a fair enough case to win defensive player of the year, even if he wasn't necessarily my defensive player of the year. The main thing I like is that this is going to open doors for more winners, it feels like. It it is a little strange to me that we completely gloss over Kawhi Leonard winning back-to-back defensive player of the years because he was technically a forward, (laughs) not a guard. (laughs) He was guarding guys with the ball a lot. That being said, this is a very... um, switchy era of the NBA so rewarding a guy in Marcus Smart who is a big time switch defender is pretty cool um I think so for better or worse uh the Westbrook MVP changed the standards for MVP voting and I think this has the potential to change the standards for defensive player of the year voting as well yeah that's interesting uh I guess uh what I would say to that and I'm sure you agree I know you agree Trey if Draymond Green plays um what, how many more games would he have had to have? I don't know what he ended up playing, uh, whatever it was. He needs to play, like, let's say 20 more. He's running away with this award. Uh, yes. It, like, it, it's hands down, he is the best defensive player in the league, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, but he didn't play enough games. And I and that's what you were saying with Bam there, Lee, though he's mm-hmm. a lot closer, some people say, with 56 or whatever. Um, but what do you think, Tass? Were you, were you shocked at all that Smart won this, or it makes sense? Yeah, I think well, you know what Trey was saying about the you know Westbrook uh, won the MVP on a 
a sixth-place team in the Western Conference. I think what's different with the Defensive Player of the Year award is it still is going to go, like, traditionally what the MVP did to a team that's at the top of the standing. So Defensive Player of the Year is sort of the same. It is a team award, as you said. That's how it rolls. And so, yeah, um, Draymond Green could have won it because he's up there as well. But that's why this is, yeah, it's 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 okay, I think, uh, for it to go basically to the best defender on the best team. I think that's totally fine. It's really, really difficult uh, as much as metrics have advanced to really understand a guy's uh, impact on his squad defensively. Just give it to one of the top defenders on one of the top teams. And that's why Rudy Gobert couldn't win it. His team dropped to 10th yeah. from third last year. Same with Giannis Antetokounmpo. His team was middle of the pack defensively. Uh, so it, it is cool that it's going towards uh, a guard. He is you know, uh, one of the top couple players on his team uh, defensively. It could be Robert Williams. It could be him. Uh, same sort of w- thing happened with Giannis Antetokounmpo winning it. Was it Brooke Lopez's uh, mm-hmm. award to win? But yeah. I think when it comes down to it, yeah, one of the better defenders on one of the better defensive teams is totally cool. That's that's the. I think it can stay sort of true to that and it's not it shouldn't go to a a guy that's on the eighth best defensive team i think one thing that we learned from this gary payton reveal if you watch it's in the gym uh, and all the celtics are there and gary payton is there and they put marcus smart's tweet about gary payton on an easel yep uh, I, you know, and we've done production before. I, nobody wants to read tweets. I think that's what we learned. <laughs> Gary Payton went up to it, and, he, and the, the tweet is somewhere. This is from Marcus Smart. Somewhere in the fine print for winning this defensive award is Rule Forty Seven Point One A: No NBA guards without the initials GP are allowed to win Defensive Player of the Year. Good tweet. But Gary Payton went up to the tweet and was like, I think, "You know, it's really cool that you, uh, you know, you said stuff about me." And he's sort of reading the tweet. He's like, "Yeah, screw it. I'm not reading this tweet." <laughs> just starts talking about Marcus Smart. The, the tweet was just this thing on paper. Don't bother. Just don't bother with trying to read tweets and all that. Uh, but, you know, GP was there. It's cool. And, yeah, good points about guards and perimeter players winning it. You know, yeah, it's just it's just Gary Payton. It's like it, it, it's basketball um, lore now. You know, the last guard to win it was Gary Payton, but Kawhi Leonard, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's the guy on the perimeter stopping everybody. But, yeah, we forget about that because we all just say Gary Payton was the last guard to win it. So, well, Marcus guys, Mark, Robert I mean, Yeah, it's for sure the whole positional thing. But 6-6 six, six and under, it's like GP smart. And then I think it's some of the early winners like Sidney Moncrief and Elvin Robertson, like just sort of sneaking under there. So, yeah. Yeah, Michael Cooper to the was 6-7, I guess. So, uh, yeah. he doesn't count. But. <laughs> But, I'm, I mean, I've said this before. It's definitely a team award. You guys already made that point, so I won't belabor it. But uh, I went and checked. It's like, over the last 10 years, nobody's won this that hasn't had a top five defense. So you got to be there. I mean, that seems to be at least the uh, groundwork uh, voters have laid. Smart wins it. Celtics had the number two defense. Only to the Warriors. And Draymond Green would have won it if he played enough games. Gobert, he won it last year. Jazz were a top four defense. Giannis won it the year before that. Bucks had the best defense. Rudy won the previous two campaigns before that. Jazz, second best defense both times. Draymond's win in 16-17. Warriors, second best defense. Kawhi's back-to-back wins. Spurs were the number one defense and the second ranked defense. Joakim Noah back in 13-14. Bulls, number two defense in the league. Marcus Gasol, Grizzlies, number two defense. And then Tyson Chandler, 
in the shortened, I believe, 2011-12 season, um, Knicks were a top five defense when he won that. So over the, like, what's that? That's 10 or 11 years there. You got to be top five. So Mm -hmm. I think that was, I think that was a big knock against like Rudy winning his fourth, Fourth, I I guess, in in theory. But it's funny. uh, It's funny, Skeets. Uh, If you're talking about MVP voting, having bad teammates is good. If you're talking about defensive player of the year voting, having bad teammates is bad. Mm. Yeah, that's because true. Rudy Gobert has a bunch of poor defenders true. on his team. Ergo, his team defensive rating is very low. Yeah. But we saw with the with the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, Jokic is going to win another MVP and probably be swept out of the playoffs because his team is not up to snuff around him. Really not makes wrong. you think. Do you want good players on your team or bad players? Yeah. <laughs> you want to win true. titles or awards? Hmm. Hmm. But Rudy, Rudy did win it the last couple of years with the same teammates. They were just better. Yeah. But it's true about the defensive play that like Jokic would rather have better teammates, but that <laughs> takes away his numbers and, and changes changes it. Uh, same for Embiid. I mean, same same sort of deal. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's take our final break. When we come back, Lee, you got Tweet of the Night. Mm-hmm. Got something good for us? Okay, great. Great. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, back here with no dunks. See somebody in the uh, stream team. Dominic must be new here. Isn't this supposed to be about basketball? No, no, no. This is a fashion podcast talking about custom suits and mm-hmm. underwear that really supports your balls, Dominic. So, uh, yeah, I think you've got us mistaken for somebody else. Let's get to tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Lily, tweet of the night. Yes, and uh, as Tas just said, no one likes to read tweets, which makes tonight's today's tweet of the week, tweet of the night, perfect because it's actually three tweets, and uh, they come in from one of my favourite playoff traditions. It's the artist Jack Perkins, also known as Pure Hoop. He's been on fire lately. After big games, he just somehow comes up with incredible artwork. This one after Sunday's game there. In Boston, Jason Tatum laying in the old uh, three-leaf clover there against the Brooklyn Nets. I thought that was beautiful. And then last night, he was at his brilliant best again. I mean, look at this one. Jalen Brunson in the Dirk jersey. Of course, he had the 41 points. I thought that was fantastic. 
But then the best one. I mean, what a what a great uh, graphic this is here. Jordan Poole there, <laughs> just strolling along to the pool, ready to go along and uh, make his name with the Splash Brothers. So uh, Jack is just an incredible artist, incredibly talented. How he can do this stuff so quickly after a game is just remarkable for me. And uh, I love it. You follow him on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you can follow him because he puts out banger after banger after banger and uh, he's going to do this all playoffs long. I say he's going to do it. I mean, I, he hasn't told me he's going to do it. <laughs> I, I just remember from in years gone by, he's done it. And uh, to get two in one night like we did there yesterday was uh, incredible stuff. So well done, Jack. Uh, can you draw it, Ollie? I drew Brandon Ingram one time at Summer League, remember? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You want me to dig that out? You want to find a photo? Shut dance for a while. I honestly I'll, don't. Uh, I'll, I'll show you. I did a not a bad job actually. Uh, you're gonna have to give me a couple of. Was you know, this a, a bit we did on the show? I yeah, we did it on the yeah. show for something. I don't remember oh, okay. exactly uh, what it was. Now, what year was Brandon Ingram a rookie? That's the, <laughs> oh, 2016. Boy. It would have been. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe have it ready for tomorrow's show. Okay. Okay. okay I'll I dig like it that. out. Yeah. Uh, but those are incredible uh, pieces of artwork there from, from Jack. So a good call there. You got to come see the YouTube show for that one if you're listening to the podcast or seek him out. What's his Twitter account? Uh, at Pure Hoop uh, across all socials there. There you go. At yeah. I noticed Hoop. what many in the stream team did as well. These calves on Jordan Poole. Yeah. These look like Lee Ellis calves. Yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you the, the leg model for these? <laughs> That's why you're, you're putting Jack over. You, th- what, you think I'm playing the Homer legs? You think I'm like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Homer legs. Uh, All right, I've got the Brandon Ingram if you want it now. I mean, (laughs) oh, that's how you tap it. You've got it. What do you mean you have it? Found it. One sec, one sec, one sec, one sec. Oh, you see? He blew it up and put it on a wall. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. He's uploading it into the stream yard. We're tapping. You see, you don't say you have it until it's in the in the yard, in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah, Go on, like, we can we can finish with it, Skeets. What do you finish with it? Okay, well let's yeah. uh, okay let's talk before, before you throw <laughs> it up. Yeah. Um, game twos tonight, Hawks Heat, seven thirty start on TNT. Miami leads that one one zero, but like Ziller said, it sort of feels like three zero after one game uh, after that dominant victory. Wolves Grizzlies eight thirty on NBA TV. Timberwolves taking game one. Very excited for game two between those squads, and then Pelican Suns is the nightcap. 10 o'clock on TNT, Phoenix taking game one over New Orleans. So, uh, Tass, which series do you think most likely to be 1-1 come uh, tomorrow morning when we're here in the yard again? Well, it's got to be Wolves-Grizzlies. It's got to be the way uh, Memphis played this year at home. They're just not going to let that happen again. They will not let what happened in game one happen again. The way the Wolves came out and scored 25 in the first six minutes – uh, and the way they couldn't turn over Minnesota at all in that second half. That's the, that's the Grizzlies' Achilles heel is just not being able to score enough in the half court. They're a little Raptors-esque. It can, it can get a little bit of a, become a bit of a slog. But uh, the Wolves only turned it over three times in the second half. That was a big problem. Grizzlies will be ready for tip and get some uh, transition buckets. Ain't that right, Trey? Yeah, that's exactly right. Minnesota. Soda scored 130 points against the top five defense, and they had 10 turnovers in one of those quarters. So you have to imagine the Grizzlies are going to be a little bit better uh, in game two here. I like to see all the trash talk coming from John Morant's social media accounts. I think that definitely helps uh, here in the playoffs. Still feels like a long series, but... You know, the Grizzlies bigs looked really, really slow and stiff in game one, and that was a problem. The defense was non-existent, and this is a team that's built around their defense, so we shall see. I'm also 
Very intrigued to see what's going to go on with the Hawks tonight. I wasn't upset with a game one loss for them. The deck was kind of stacked against them. They were on a short rest compared uh, to the Miami Heat. Obviously, a major uptick in the quality of their opponent going from play-in games to the number one seed. And they were also adjusting to no Clint Capella. So an understandable loss. Tonight, though, we got to see a little bit more fight from the Hawks to see if this is going to be a real series yeah. or a quick sweep ruski here. Yeah, excited to see what we get from... Uh... Trey Young, I mean, after the one for 12 performance, and a lot of that was the Heat's doing, like we talked about, that defense, that pressure that they just put on them out top. Do they move Trey? Do they do different action with them? Uh, fascinated to see what Nate McMillan does there or if the Heat can uh, make it 2-0. And same with the Suns-Pelicans. Pelicans made that a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's the forgotten game there on the weekend uh, because it was so late after a lot of basketball, but they did get into it, and then Chris Paul said, no, that's enough. Thank you. We're, we'll take this game one. So uh, excited for all of these. Okay, Lee, what do you got? All right, let's ready? See the, let's see this drawing of Brandon Ingram. There it is. That's honestly <laughs> pretty good. Not I don't bad, remember I this at all. Yeah. But that's solid. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what the sort of game or whatever it was we did, but it was just like, uh, all right, try to draw it. Sure. And so, you know, I did. Not bad. Here, here, is, here is the great game that we played. Guess the name of the game we played with Brandon Ingram. This incredible and this incredible inventive game. Uh, win, lose, or draw? No. Oh. Uh, this or that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so why was the draw? We were feeling very creative. You actually have. Uh, has anyone ever told you your uh, artistic skills uh, are very Jack Perkins like? <laughs> maybe that's it i'm just trying to uh you know, channel my play- inner pure hoop there maybe yeah. that's that's it yeah some plagiarism maybe we can I get together and on. collaborate mm, maybe yeah mm. you had the same the same stroke style as pure hoop there and I, I guess he does tend to go with a, a skinny s- style yes <laughs> and yes, you were working yes. with uh brandon ingram exactly uh, rookie brandon skinny. ingram as well rookie so brandon i probably ingram weighed that. more than him at the time yeah, uh, well, Kent, I mean, saying nobody's going to talk about the Larry O'Brien trophies in the background. I mean, yeah, he was on the Lakers. He's <laughs> standing in the office. I mean, uh, I don't know what you want us to say. Stroke style. Is this a Roman ad? Is this no. <laughs> could be. Could be. got to be ready. Roman ready. Uh, so, Lee, just, uh, mm. you know, wrap it up here. Which series do you think most likely to be 1-1? Is it you going uh, with the Grizzlies? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it has to be the Grizzlies at home. You expect a bounce back performance from them, but uh, really fascinated to see how Carl Anthony Towns backs up his game and Anthony Edwards. Do those guys? Do they say we got the split, we're good, or do they really try to hammer home the advantage? Because I, I do think they have a massive advantage in this series right now. In that Towns is an incredibly difficult matchup here for Memphis, and so uh, you know we've seen it. He's teased us a few times this season, Carl Anthony Towns, where it's like maybe he has taken that leap to another level, but now is a really good opportunity for him to uh, to, to hammer it home. And I think, oh man, I, I I think they can do it too. I think Minnesota can do it. But I, I'm fascinated by this series. This is crazy that it's on NBA TV, though. I mean. Just doesn't make any sense to me. You got to showcase the stars. Come on, they got to do. I know money talks, and it's all about. It, you know. I, I think. Hold on. I think a, a part of it though too is, you know, the timing of when these games have to start. Right. So right. TNT has the double header yeah. tonight. You, you're, you got the East Coast game in Miami, Minnesota. Yeah. Obviously not Eastern Coast time. I think that comes into play. Here it do, of course it of does. Issue. Of course it yeah. does. It's 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 not perfect, but you know the NBA just doesn't do a good enough job. I don't think of saying like throw the rules out the window and just get the guys who are the biggest draws. And I and I think there's more in that series in uh, yeah. at Edwards and Ja Morant and Towns than I mean Trey Young's obviously he's a he's a great performer too. He can be awesome. 
but uh, yeah. I think you've got more in the in the other series. Well, it's unfortunate NBA TV sort of went down the drain ever since they let go of the starters. So, mm. I mean, I see the issue here, but uh, hey, we'll see. Uh, we'll be watching them all, and we'll be talking about them tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern live here on YouTube. Thanks to everybody who joined us uh, again, and if you're new to the show, hit that like button and subscribe to No Dunks. We do this every day uh, throughout the week, and then we got some weekend shifts too. That's our new little wrinkle here in the playoffs on YouTube. So thank you so much. We'll see you then. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, I figured out why we played uh, we played this or that with Brandon Ingram. Okay. Why we had Lee draw Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram likes to draw, apparently. And so he showed us, showed us, a, a, or we showed him a couple of his drawings. And then Lee and I, I, I totally forgot, Lee and I both drew Brandon oh, Ingram. You did and I've too? got I've got that oh, photo. Oh, this or that. This or that. Oh, and here wow. I am showing it on Street Team. Yeah. yeah, Lee destroyed me. Uh, so <laughs> that makes is. sense. There's another account that uh, poorly drawn players. That's more where yours is there. That, that, that's not oh. a knock. It's just a different oh, style. Oh, no, I'm just saying it's a different style. It's a different it's style. different style, style. right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe you didn't take a photo of my drawing, <laughs> yeah. Lee, but you took a photo of yours. But I can understand why NBA TV let go of the starters after seeing <laughs> my drawing there on the right. I wrote Duke on his shirt just in case you didn't, because there's no way you can tell. That that's Brandon Ingram, so I thought I'd do it. All right. Well, on that note, race the day, people. You could stay ooh, every day, and I'd be happy every minute. It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for. It's happened already. It's gonna be groovy. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.